Hi there and welcome to Abroad with Care, the 10-minute podcast that makes health easy for expats in Asia. My name is Andrea and every day I help expats make the most of their life abroad. With this podcast, you will finally get the practical answers you need on budgets, hospitals, maternity and many more topics. Twice a month, leading experts will share advice and tips to help you protect yourself and your family. This podcast is created in partnership with April International, a leading insurance services group supporting expats when it matters. Living in Asia with your little ones is such an enriching experience in life. But as an expat, navigating healthcare systems for your babies and toddlers can be quite tricky. So how do you protect them? I'm glad to welcome Natalie Spencer today, registered midwife based in Singapore. As a team member of Mother and Child, Natalie has supported many families with prenatal and postnatal care. Today, she will share her insights and tips to help you take care of your baby. But first, let's hear Karima's story. She shares with us her experience finding the right paediatrician for her three babies. We moved to Singapore from Switzerland six years ago. Uh, our older kids were three and one when we arrived and we needed a paediatrician. Um, so I started off looking online for recommendations and cross-referencing with the panelists on our health insurance coverage and essentially landed on the one that had good reviews, was covered by our insurance and was not too far from home. There are lots of reviews online, but I found the local parents' Facebook groups to be the most useful with comments directly from parents. Um, then we had the first appointment with a doctor and all the good reviews were confirmed and we were very comfortable with her. She would explain everything she was going to do to the kids and what she needed them to do and, and that created a nice engagement with the child. Um, in terms of cultural differences, I would say probably the most salient one is the tendency to over-medicate in Singapore um, and over-prescribing antibiotics for children. So what advice I would provide to young parents, um, I would say really read the reviews, um, ask your colleagues, ask your friends that have uh, kids of a similar age. I, I think parents, we typically uh, have aligned uh, views on what's important for our kids. Try to find uh, a suitable doctor that's not too far from your home uh, and look out for their opening hours if they're open early and on weekends, at least on Saturdays, especially if you're a working parent, that can be very useful. It's great to hear this very down-to-earth advice from Karima. Thank you very much for joining us today, Natalie. Yeah, thank you for having me. I believe you've met many expat parents that are in a similar situation as Karima. To start with, I think let's briefly discuss differences when it comes to healthcare for children in Asia. What are the key characteristics or habits in Asia that can be distinctive? I think that, you know, as a whole in Asia, um, just like with any parent, you know, there's lots of reasons to be concerned, especially when you have a new baby. But I find in Asia, they're very focused on, you know, making sure the baby has a lot of food and that the baby's always fed, whether that be a newborn or a young uh, toddler, um, and also staying warm, even though um, there are some places in Asia that are very hot, um, this whole idea of keeping warm, because that's what is going to keep you healthy, um, is a huge focus, um, whether it be wearing lots of clothing, or staying out of the sun, um, or staying more inside versus outside. It's this whole idea of staying warm and not catching a cold. Okay, um, Karima mentioned some cultural differences. When it comes to medical care, what differences can we find? It's obviously a different um, part of the world and different country. And with that, there's a whole new or a whole different um, 
cultural aspects that infiltrate into medical care. So in Asia, um, a lot is based on hierarchy. How that kind of goes into the medical system is that there's very strict kind of um, protocol in terms of um, how and what specialists or who you interact with on a medical basis works. So for example, you know, doctors are pretty much the the top dog. That's the top layer. And the nurses are a little bit more underneath the doctor, whereas in other countries, they're two different disciplines and they work alongside each other. One is not on top or below the other. When you show up at the hospital or show up at a clinic, the way that this actually comes down to your level is that the nurses or the assistants or whoever you're interacting with are more task orientated. So they're not going to be focused necessarily on your um, emotional well-being, so to speak. So they're going to perform the task at a level that's obviously satisfactory in the, in, in the level that they need to. But the way they may speak to you may differ quite a bit because communication style not only in Asia is very different, but because their um, focus is more on achieving the task, whether it's taking your blood pressure or taking blood or checking your temperature, that's the, that's the focus. There might not be so much emphasis on the you know emotional well-being necessarily. That may come la- later. Um, and you might find doctors are a little bit like this too. So they may deliver news to you or give you information in a way that at first you might find a bit blunt. They might not assess your emotional standpoint in that moment right away until maybe you verbalize it. So just to prepare, I think, or just to emotionally prepare that when you go to hospital or medical clinics here, emotionally, um, it may be a little bit more of a different experience. Um, And obviously, no one means any harm. This is just the way that communication is done. This is just the way that things are carried out, because it's a whole different system and a whole different country with its own culture. And obviously, systems infiltrate into every day-to-day interaction. As an expat in Singapore or Hong Kong, how do you find the right doctor for your baby? Good old first online research. I think uh, with there's lots of Facebook forums. Um, all the groups are very uh, responsive. You can also go uh, to uh, research any of the hospitals in Singapore and um, look at their pediatric department. Um, and most of the public and general hospitals here do have a um, pediatrician uh, clinic, if that's if you're looking particularly for a pediatrician, whether you were used to seeing a general practitioner or a GP for yourself and the whole family or a pediatrician, um, you can easily find uh, both. Um, another way um, you can also find a doctor is, um, particularly for your children, is through um, insurance. So, if you already have an insurance provider from your um, company, let's say that you're moving with to Singapore or whatever country, they will usually have a um, recommended list under their plan or like a directory, so to speak. Talking about general practitioners and pediatricians, Karima chose to find a pediatrician for her babies, but this may not be an obvious decision for many expats. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between them? How do you choose between a pediatrician and a GP? So a pediatrician is a doctor that is specialized just in um, children. So from newborn stage to up to 18 years old. And they cover any of those normal illnesses of childhood. They do the vaccines, developmental checks, things like that. A general practitioner sees someone through their whole lifespan. So from newborn all the way through life. They, there are some general practitioners, though, that don't have pediatric specialty or they just like to see adults. So it's important 
uh, when you're when or if you're looking for a general practitioner that you um, make sure that you find one if, if you're looking for that is that is pediatric specialized let's talk a bit more about vaccinations for expats understanding what vaccines young children need and when can be quite complicated what are the requirements in Hong Kong and in Singapore usually um, with vaccinations um, if you've already had your baby in your home country, you're following a particular vaccination schedule already, because when you get one vaccine, the time that you have between one vaccine to another is a set time period. And that's usually a universally set time period. So that shouldn't differ too much between countries. Um, but it's best to uh, know ahead of time what vaccines are required. So uh, definitely in Singapore, and I believe for Hong Kong as well, if it's a newborn baby, oftentimes the tuberculosis vaccination, the TB vaccine is recommended. Um, a lot of countries don't do this vaccine anymore. Also too, with if you have uh, young children, especially toddlers that are going to be put into infant care or some sort of daycare system, preschool, they will have vaccination requirements. So um, get to know those. The Singapore schedule, and I believe the Hong Kong as well, is originally based off of the UK system. So it still pretty much follows um, the UK vaccination schedule. Obviously, it's, it's as a parent, um, it's your decision. How do I make sure that my baby is properly covered by my insurance from day one? Knowing your insurance plan, um, reading the fine print, first of all, and that's always the best step. So usually if you are um, pregnant and you're um, in a country, different insurances will cover different aspects of your pregnancy. Most will cover um, anything that is emergency situation or um, urgent in pregnancy. So, you know, things like um, emergency cesarean um, due to high blood pressure, things like this. Um, and subsequently, it will cover usually the first few days um, your baby for normal newborn um, issues such as neonatal jaundice, um, if they need the phototherapy light for the jaundice, that's uh, usually a common thing that's covered. So just being aware of what your baby is covered for in the newborn stage and for how long. Usually in a country when you have a baby, your baby will also need to have a visa to um, be in that country. So it's not just automatic when you give birth in another country. So once you obtain your newborn's visa, then you're usually eligible to put them on their own insurance um, in your country. Yeah. So are there any other concrete tips that you could share for keeping your baby or your toddler safe in Singapore? In particular in Singapore, um, even during actually the height of COVID last year in 2020, dengue fever was also very prevalent, if not more prevalent than uh, COVID. Uh, insect repellent is highly recommended um, with a DEET, uh, that's the chemical content that will help keep away the bugs, um, of 30%. So DEET content of, sorry, less than 30%. Um, using mosquito netting, um, if the baby's in a pram or your toddler's in a pram, and just making sure that your baby is covered with maybe loose clothing um, so that skin's not exposed for them to um, get bitten by. Another thing, it's very hot in Singapore, so and the sun is very strong. So obviously, good, safe sun protection is um, definitely recommended. So hat, sunscreen, babies can wear sunscreen um, from six months onwards. Sorry, I meant to say that the mosquito repellent can be from three months onwards. Again, just your typical sun safety. So staying in the shade, wearing a hat when you're outside, staying hydrated, drinking lots of water. It's very humid and hot. Um, a few other things as well, uh, water safety 
um, it's all condo living, uh, apartment living in Singapore, and um, most of the apartments have swimming pools. So water safety uh, is very important. If your children don't know how to swim yet, especially always have them being uh, monitored or watched. There's no lifeguard service here. Um, and then just your usual home safety stuff, you know, safety plugs in your sockets, your PowerPoints, you know, things like that. Thank you very much for joining us today, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Abroad With Care. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any health-related topics. Your friends may have the same questions as you, and you can help them out by sharing this episode with them. Do you want to know more regarding health insurance? April International is here for you. Find out more information at asia.april-international.com.